Welcome to 501 Crossroads, your show all about nonprofits and the people that make the mission happen. I'm Marjorie Moore, President and CEO of Minds Eye, and my personal mission is to make nonprofits stronger by identifying and fixing the rubs that so often come up between people and the mission. My fabulous co-host, the nonprofit ninja, Natalie Jablonski, is here. That's right. Specializing in helping nonprofits maximize their time, talent, and resources to achieve organizational greatness. Hey, Marjorie, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Well, I got to tell you, I, I really kind of come to grips with this. We talk about food a lot on this show. I don't know if you've noticed this. I've, I've, uh, every now and then I'll be listening and I'll, I'll hear us mention something well, about we, food and, and, and wine and wine, mm-hmm. uh, but also food. And mm-hmm. we've even talked about food being a great motivator for nonprofit staff. Yes. Uh, how much we as hosts enjoy our local cuisine. Uh, but we haven't really discussed in great te- detail as to how nonprofits really rely on the generosity of our local retail shops and restaurants to support our causes. And mm-hmm. I was reading an article that was recently posted by uh, a author named Angel Postel from the Charleston City Paper. And it was posted on the Facebook page by one of my favorite local restaurants, the Beast Craft Barbecue in Belleville, Illinois. Oh, yum. Oh, yum. yum. Okay. <laughs> yes. Mouthwatering already. Just thinking about that place, right? Well, this article suggested that nonprofits need to stop asking restaurants for help. What? And the Beast Craft Barbecue thought this was absurd. And I agreed. So after giving a loving shout out, of course, uh, to the Beast Barbecue for stepping up on behalf of nonprofits everywhere, it made me think, whose responsibility is it to give back? And who better to have in the studio as we debunk this myth mm-hmm. than the person that started the conversation in the first place? David Sandusky with the Beast Craft Barbecue is in the house. We are so excited. Yeah. Uh, David, before we begin on this article, why don't you begin by letting our audience know a little bit more about your background? Sure. I've got uh, about 20 years in the restaurant business. That's uh, all? This is Just 20? 20 years. <laughs> uh, started in, in high school. Wow. But uh, this is my first time as an owner, okay. actually. Um Thank God. I tried to open several restaurants throughout the years and <laughs> didn't know until now that I was never ready yeah. <laughs> until, until I actually did it uh, here and now. So it's uh, it's a fortunate uh, situation in time, for sure. Most of my experience is in fine dining. However, the last eight now, well, a little more than that, uh, has been in uh, barbecue. So it's a, it's a, it's a passion thing. It's a uh, it's something that's dear to my heart because I, I really got tired of the fine dining scene. I got tired of doing things that were extravagant for no purpose. The 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 really pretentious stuff was really exciting when I was, you know, growing up in the in the in the ranks of culinary teams and things like that. And uh, but but at some point it just hit me that really no one no one cares how many different ways you can cook foie gras. No one cares. Or can you and, spell it? You know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. And. Uh, it's only cool to other chefs or people with so much money that, you know, they're never really going to be in a restaurant anyway. So I wanted to do something that really hit people in the chest and and uh, and found them at home and made them comfortable. And so I took what I learned from the fine dining world and brought that to, well, my version of barbecue, what we call craft barbecue. So. Which, which Marjorie and I can both attest, we have been known to be there multiple times, potentially even in the same week. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal Thank results. You. Yep. Yes, this may actually be the official barbecue restaurant of mine's eye. <laughs> <laughs> well, you may not know that, <laughs> but now you do, right? Are you are you originally from the area? Pretty much. I mean, uh, I was born in Rockford. Actually, my my father was uh, terminated or fired by Reagan in the uh, strike of the air traffic controllers in oh, wow. eighty or eighty one, and then after that, we moved down here. So I was about three years old. Okay. When we got here, so. 
Mostly, yes. Mostly St. Louis. Excellent. That's, <laughs> our, our listeners always are fascinated by where people live and if they, what mm-hmm. area that they live in. So uh, speaking of listeners, they'd probably like to know about this article we're talking about. So we will yeah. put the article link uh, from the Charleston City paper on the web notes. But I think first off, the thing that cracks me up about this is really the the title of the article is Constantly Asking Restaurants to Give Freebies to Charities Has Got to Stop. Wow. Wow. Like, you got a, it's a bold headline. I just, for, for a nonprofit leader, I look at that and I, my heart just breaks a little bit. And the, when you look at how the article is written, you can tell, of course, very opinionated mm-hmm. this individual is on, on how the relationship should be between them. But obviously she's writing from the standpoint where David is representing, which is the, the business owner, the restaurant owner, and they're seeing that side of it. Uh, and so today, my hope is that we can kind of debunk this back and forth as as David put on their page. This is, I, I think the phrase you used, uh, BS. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's absolute garbage. So what do you, where did you find the article first off? Because it's from the different <laughs> side of the, the country than where we're currently located. Yeah, so a friend of mine in the barbecue business actually posted it. On his restaurant's uh, site. Or, no, it wasn't on his or? restaurant. It was on his personal Facebook. Mm-hmm. And so I saw that in, in a very passive-aggressive manner, looked at it and said, you know what? This is ridiculous, and I'm going to post this, and I'm going to put it out there and ruffle his feathers a little bit because I think that he's in the, in the wrong mentality about this. So We'll, we'll make sure yeah. you get a copy of this uh, particular podcast. You can send that to him yeah. uh, with love and affection, right? Uh, we we love those guys, but uh, we definitely have a difference of opinion here, and that's that's okay. But Well, I did notice that you had mostly positive feedback agreeing with you. There were a couple of people that were like, no, really, charities have to stop. But you had like over 400 likes, reactions, things to that particular article, which is surprisingly more than some of the food, which was surprising. <laughs> <laughs> well, you get someone on their opinion and everyone yeah. wants to share it, right? Exactly. But when it comes to restaurant management, about how many requests do you think a business of your size gets per week on average from nonprofits and people wanting you to participate in don't making a donation of some sort? For us, we receive uh, typically uh, at least two a day. Okay. It's constant, it's about, constant, yeah. constant. Yeah. So I, I can see where it can be obnoxious to some or it can be you know, off-putting to others and, you know, considering budgets and things like that. Or or maybe maybe you're not. In the case of the friend that, that posted this, there was no budget really involved from what I could tell. It was more of a, well, I'm just going to throw all the donations in a hat and, and, and we'll draw from a pool and then whoever wow. wins, you know, gets a donation that week instead of, you know. That's an looking, interesting strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That works for them. That's fine. But I don't. I don't necessarily enjoy the the attitude about that. I think that we we have a responsibility to to be there for these people to the extent that we can. But as I tried to uh, lay out there, as I talked about it uh, on Facebook, is that it's not hard to have a criteria and a budget. Mm-hmm. You know, it for for us, I set up a person that handles that entirely, so I don't deal with it. You know, it's if the stuff comes in, I hand it to my director of catering, who also handles all donations. So it goes from from whoever the manager is that receives that request to her, and she processes it all. She determines if it's within our criteria, and she determines whether or not we can afford to donate to this organization within that month. Right now, our budget is a thousand dollars a month, which is very very high. Yeah, uh, extremely for, generous. Yeah, because people, our listeners, need to know those of you who have not visited or you're not from the area. 
you're not a multi-chain, multi-billion dollar restaurant. This is a locally owned and operated one shop business that has catering attached to it. But a thousand dollars a month, I think is extremely generous, especially for an organization your size. Yeah. I see it as a, as an opportunity to put ourselves in there with people in, in, in our community, really dig our feet in. And I, I saw this article. I just like, I, I really got tense about it because, uh, there's, there's this mentality that in, especially in, in restaurants that in order to give, you have to continue to receive in return. And I, I want to make the point that that's great. If that becomes part of what you get out of it, that's fine. But we don't take the approach of we're only going to, it's it's only going to fit our criteria if we get a bunch of response out of it or if people know that we did it or something like that. We Most of the time it comes on its own and we don't have to tell people, but we don't really care to tell people. It's not, it's not important to us. Right. We have posted on our website that we donate to uh, gifts from the heart and the violence prevention center and the humane society. But that's really all we get into about it. We get hundreds of different organizations that are like, you know, Hey, can I get a couple gift cards? Can I, you know, can you sponsor this hole at this golf scramble? Can you do this? Can you do that? It's really, really not hard to set you up, to set your business up into a, a place of organization to where you can say yes or no and do it as much as you can and get it out there. I, I, I just don't think that, uh, it should be done in a way that's, uh, I, I, for me personally, I can see how other people can be like this, but for me personally, it doesn't have to be part of the criteria to just receive a bunch of benefits from it. I don't, I just don't, I, I think, I think the giving's kind of null and void for me when it comes to that. Like, I, you know, if you're, if you're doing it to get something out of it, you're not really giving anything. You're investing in something. That's two different things. Right. Yeah. And a lot of business owners do talk about giving as an investment. I think that that is something we're seeing in philanthropy is people talking about gifts as investments and, and return on investment yeah. and what that looks like. They're making a donation from their marketing dollars. Mm-hmm. So therefore they need to figure out where that, where that will be featured and mm-hmm. how that will play into their marketing plan, if you mm-hmm. will. And you can definitely make it part of your plan. That is that is a way to be able to make your investments. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, your friend's way of putting them all in and drawing one out, that's a, whether we like it or not, that is a plan way to do it. But if you're able to figure out a way to strategically align it with what you're trying to do, create, if you will, a, a philanthropic plan, which I've done for many businesses, especially small mm-hmm. businesses, because they're not sure where to start. Once you do it, it only takes a few hours of brainstorming and conversation and you can put together a philanthropic plan and then have a process like you're talking about. And it's, it's brilliant. That's the easiest thing in the world to help people. I it's, don't know why not, more business owners don't do it, to be honest. Yeah. It's, it's not some, uh, hard job. It's not something that's entirely taxing, especially in our field. Give them a gift card. Who cares? Have it in your budget. Give them a gift card. So what? They come in and they, they spend, you know, we, we end up you know, giving $25 gift cards typically mm-hmm. is the way that we handle it. So what they come in and they they spend twenty five dollars, which really only cost us a third to a half of that to put out, and then you know, and, and then they you you impact their lives positively, and they 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 could bring more people in in the process. I mean, I I don't understand how this is a losing situation mm-hmm. for these people. Yeah. I, I I just don't I don't get it. So when I read this article, I was just like, man, I don't know who this lady is, but I. <laughs> Uh, this is not a restaurant. That, I, I don't. I don't even think she owns a restaurant. I don't she, think so it looks either. Like she's a PR person for a restaurant. Was kind of well. What I was trying I to think, dig into. And she <laughs> even made a reference in there, kind of deb- you know debunking what you're trying to say. Which I like what you're saying better. By the way, <laughs> is that 
Well, they would have customers that would come in and they would only see them once a year. And that's because they wanted to ask for this gift. And then they never saw them again. Mm -hmm. And that should be like, in her eyes, that was the worst of worst things you could commit. And I, I just don't understand that. Like, but they came in and they, they saw you and they visited with you. And then they're asking for a gift that probably they're not even going to be the ones receiving. Someone else will be right. You're exposing the business to a whole different type of audience and they're worried about their ROI. And yes. I would like to ask what's your ROI on being a selfish jerk. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like what's uh, so what if these people are only in your restaurant once a year, right? You know, what is the, I don't understand what that has to do with anything because if the goal is, uh, is just to take, 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 then, then mm-hmm. fine. But good luck making yourself a cornerstone of that community are really finding a place where, where your people will defend you and they'll, you know, step up to the plate for you. We, we've, we've taken the position that, you know, everything that we do from top to bottom is what we call all killer, no filler. You know, everything on the menu is the best we can put it out or it doesn't go on the menu. If we overcook the brisket one day, well, we'll lose a thousand dollars in brisket that we put on the smoker and cost that day. You know, if if that's what it takes, because we're not going to put out something that's substandard and we feel the same way about, all those things outside of the food as well. You know, we're going to, we, we set out to, we're going to be the the best for our community. We're going to, we're going to be the best tenants in our property. We're going to be the best at what we do in, in, in all these different, uh, different, different things. And, and for us, you know, we, we market ourselves as a premium brand because we are. So, 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 so who am I to judge a person who comes in once a year for a donation you know, maybe there maybe there's somebody that uh, we only see once a year because uh, they can't necessarily afford the price point of what we're trying to push. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. so what right. I shouldn't donate to them because they was you know what I'm saying? Like it just doesn't it, it doesn't make sense when you break it down. So I get a lot of organizations whenever I'm working with their you know putting together a philanthropy plan for them. They'll say, so where do I even start? Do I have to? I'm the business owner. Do I? Do I get to, should I dictate like things that are important to me personally, or should I align them with my business values or should I, should it be based on like geography? So I don't serve that area or my customers don't come from there. Any advice for businesses that uh, might be listening to the podcast and they're starting to put this together for themselves and they're just not sure where to get started? Well, I think it all starts with the criteria like you're talking about. And I think I, I very much think that you need to at least starting out, start as local as possible. You know, maybe not at, at the beginning, donate to the surrounding towns or, or something. But if it's something that's, you know, right in your neighborhood, man, you got to do something. Even if you can't do what they want you to do. This is how easy this is. All right. They come in and they're like, hey, we, we need $500 sponsors for this event. Well, if that's not in your criteria, if you're, if you're not, if it's not in your criteria to hand out money, then tell them no. But don't just tell them no. Go back to them and say, hey, how else can I help you? I've got some ideas. Here's a few suggestions. Otherwise, you're just complaining about it. That's a, yeah. that's a great point because the article actually referenced doing homework on the business, uh, forming a long-term relationship, finding opportunities to promote together and such. Uh, what are some ways you think that nonprofits should up their game when it comes to working with their local retail and restaurant establishments? Well, in the restaurant in particular, the, the most obnoxious thing that you could ever do is come in during lunch rush. <laughs> Seriously, I you know, in it's it's part of my criteria, so to speak, that if you're gonna come in during lunch rush and you don't understand that nobody's got time to talk to you, like we're probably not gonna donate to you because you gotta I mean, have some have a little bit of common sense about it. We're just gonna throw it in a in a pile and hope to see it. 
Right. You wouldn't yeah. approach a CPA firm during tax season in April. Mm-hmm. Why would you approach a restaurant during mm-hmm. their busiest yeah. money-making opportunity, which is customer service opportunity mm-hmm. for them as well? I yeah. mean, for us in particular, we do so many covers through that very, very small building mm-hmm. that there's not only no space to have an open conversation in the dining room, mm-hmm. but there's there's also not any any time because the service and the quality of the product is such that it requires an extreme amount of hands-on uh, labor. And so those managers are extremely busy. And uh, so, you know, it's it's not appropriate. To, you, you really have to pick the right times. It, it's even okay to say, you know, call the restaurant and, and or, or email through the website and say, hey, can I can I drop this off at this time or book an appointment or something like that? So in, in these areas, they could improve. They could definitely uh, handle the restaurants better. I don't know about retail. That's not, that's not my gig. But, you know, there's, I think the, the, the respect could go both ways. I don't feel like that's an enormous issue. It's not it, – some people just don't know. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and even when they do, you know, he's, he's still got to treat them well. I don't know. I, I just I, – I wish that we could get out of this Americanized version of – always me on top all the time and just realize that, you know, there's, there's people out there that, that have needs. And sometimes, sometimes the local businesses that have gained so much need to just step up to the plate. Right. They just do. You know, if, if you've set up your business to make a bunch of money and never donate, I'm not sure that you built a successful business plan. Yeah. I know my volunteers and my staff almost always, you know, before we go out to eat as a group, say, okay, who's donated to us? You know, who's, who supports us? Let's go there. Let's be a yeah. part of that. And I think that's a nonprofit think, kind of Yeah, that is thing. a nonprofit mentality. But um, I also know that, you know, I, I had a couple of friends, you know, text message me after you put that article going, we're going to the beast now. <laughs> you know, we know that they're community members. Right. Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. It's a huge deal. Well, and I think as you know, nonprofit, we're always looking for creative ways to say thank you. Mm-hmm. And yes, we write a letter. If, if you're if you're doing it right, you're writing a letter timely, and you're having someone of importance sign it, and perhaps even writing a small note on the side, right, to make mm-hmm. sure that they you realize that hey, we really do appreciate this. But we always look for creative ways to go above and beyond, which is why we look for you know where can we put your name on our website? Can we put your name on our social media? Can we put your logo on a sponsorship banner? Can we? We're always looking for ways to be able to say thank you. And also inspire others. And I think that's a big piece that nonprofits forget about. It's not just about saying thank you to the donor. It's also about leveraging that relationship to inspire others to say, wow, the Beast Craft Barbecue donated a gift card for their silent auction. I like the Beast. I want to go there too. And you know what? I own my business and I really respect their business mentality. I want to make a donation to that organization. So we always look for those creative tie-ins to be able to do that. But I know so many gift cards go wasted, right? Marjorie, weren't you the one to tell me that you looked at that? I was looking at that actually. And so 40% of people have said they've lost a plastic gift card. So that's, that's money that's, you know, probably not going to be redeemed. So they like, that's maybe a bonus. I'm going to say, yeah. Well, that's, that's the whole scheme of gift cards. (laughs) (laughs) Your name's out there, but. Well, for the record, 25% of those are in my son's uh, closet, I think, because uh, (laughs) they're the worst. Teenagers are the worst at getting them Mm -hmm. and then remembering to use them. Statistics show that for, let's, let's say it's Christmas time and we, you know, everybody's got their gift card deals and they, Mm -hmm. they pull in an extra few thousand dollars over Christmas with gift card sales and yada, yada. The restaurants know that the stats say that 10% of those will never come back. Wow. And that's just 10% profit that's right so off the sad. top. 
Yeah. For nonprofits, to which every penny counts, we, that we, we cry a little bit thinking <laughs> that someone spent money on something they're not getting back on. We should start on. figuring out some sort of nonprofit Yeah, gift nonprofit <laughs> gift card. We need to figure this out. Yes, that would be a good uh, side item for oh, us to get. I, I would like to say, too, if for, for the... Uh, uh, for the for the other side, another another way that they can uh, you know make sure that they're handling their end of the bargain is uh, is to be understanding and not be jerks if they don't get the donation. Oh, oh tell us about that. We we do experience this too. Where, don't throw anyone under the bus because we would we wouldn't want to out them on the on sure, the show. Sure. But, but we'll talk but, about them. After we'll talk about them after, right? But can you give us an example of where one went yeah, south? Uh, well, the the last one I received was actually from that article. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, someone posted in that thread and was like, well, you know, I contacted you at this time and uh, you didn't donate to us. And I sent her a private message and I'm like, listen, just because we didn't donate to you doesn't, doesn't mean that, you know, we're not donating. You just didn't make the cut. You didn't make the criteria. So you have to respect that at some mm -hmm. level. I mean, nonprofits, we work with grants all the time, which have minutia of detail Mm -hmm. that they want in criteria. It should be no different than. If going you, to an organization and asking them for a donation. If you're not in the budget for that month, you didn't make the, the, the cut financially, come back in a week when the next month comes, you know, or whatever it is that. That's yeah. that's interesting. So I'm wondering if a nonprofit, because I don't think I thought of this before, about a monthly budget as opposed mm-hmm. to looking at a yearly budget like I do. So if we so let, submit a letter and saying that our event is in, let's say, June, because it's April now. So if our event's in June and we're sending you a letter and we're asking for this and we can say that donations, we can accept donations up until May 21st, that actually puts you over a two-month period. Would that letter, if you were maxed out already for April, would that letter be rejected now or would you hold it potentially if it aligned with everything else and say, well, we'll wait and we'll do that? Yeah, then? sure. Of course, we would, we would definitely hold Which it. Which means in. don't yeah. wait, listeners, to the last minute to get your <laughs> request in and then ask everyone to respond within a limited period of time because yeah. their budget could be weekly, monthly, quarterly. You don't know mm-hmm. how they're budgeting. Yeah. But good, good, good discovery, even for me. That's look. Yeah. I learned something. Even the nonprofit ninja continues to learn. <laughs> but I do get people on. Uh, it, you know, it doesn't happen all the time, but you get those that are just really sour about it. You know, and uh, you just gotta. You could say it politely, but it's just like, man, like I, I don't know who you think you are coming to my business and telling <laughs> me that, you know, I, I didn't donate well enough to you, but, you know, maybe next time. There was even a reference in the article where uh, they said that customers would walk out because they were, and they came in to eat and they would ask them to see the chef or the owner and they would say, hey, while I'm here, I'm doing this event for ABC Charity. Would you do that? And they've been told at the time, no, for whatever reason, maybe it's alignment, maybe it's budget, maybe it's because the person was a jerk neck last time. Who knows, right? But they've got up and walked out of the restaurant and made a scene as they've left saying, I can't believe you. How insensitive. How dare you? And of course, everyone's like, wow, what's going on? And not a good way to make an impression for your Probably not a good way to come back and ask again. I can guarantee you that. Yeah, you sent out the wrong person. Yeah, it is definitely an art as well as a science when it comes to doing that. I think it goes both ways that, you know, both the business and the the community have to respect each other in that aspect. Mm -hmm. I agree. Well, what... When does an ask become too much, even for those who who try not to say no? And what I guess what I mean is nonprofits have this mentality that we, we go big or go home, right? So if you want $500, you ask for 1000 because then whenever you come back and say, well, would you be able to do 500 it seems like you're getting a better <laughs> deal, right? Uh, and, we're, and we're taught this all mm-hmm. through fundraising 101 you know, lessons, whether they're life lessons or school lessons. So 
Is it a big put off if someone asks for something that's completely outrageous and then comes back? Would you rather them go for what they actually want in the first place? What's your opinion on that? Yeah, I'm, I'm the kind of guy that just likes to cut to the black and white of it. Don't patronize me with, you know, pie in the sky stuff or this, you know, super. No, I'm telling you, it's not in anybody's budget to give you two grand mm-hmm. for whatever you're doing. Yeah, that's a big number. Yeah. You know, or whatever your price is. It's it's very, very difficult with – and I, I don't think that they understand how small the margins are in restaurants. All right. Gift cards are, are easy. The, mm-hmm. the easiest way to fit into our criteria is to allow us to donate uh, food that we didn't sell that day or uh, gift cards. That stuff is easy. But the margins are so small in restaurants. And for us in particular in barbecue where the menu is all proteins – the margins are so small. There's not a lot of room to just throw out checks. Right. It's much easier to fit into the criteria with gift cards. It's not that we don't have criteria for cash donations, but those are very few and far between. Mm-hmm. Right. Because we're already giving out several hundred dollars in food every month. Right. Uh, in most cases, it won't meet the price that we're going for. Now, one of the things I noticed in the article, too, the they were talking about um, for-profits and non-profits asking for gift cards for employees, for <sighs> gift, or for Christmas gifts or appreciation gifts or yeah. things like that. I'm Natalie sorry. is shaking her head. I'm rolling She's... my eyes and like <laughs> trying not to choke on it because first off, the fact that a for-profit would be bold enough to ask another for-profit to take money out of their budget to help them be able to give their employees, who by the way are paid... Christmas presents, like mm-hmm. my mind is just blown on even having to put that sentence together. <laughs> I don't even know how that works, but I can't even imagine even as a nonprofit going to a for-profit and asking them to donate gift cards for my paid employees for appreciation gifts or Christmas gifts. Like that's a budget item. Yeah. Maybe, maybe volunteers, if you're doing a volunteer appreciation, volunteer appreciation I could maybe. see something along those lines. Although I would think that some of that should be budgeted. I'd almost want to yeah be able to justify in my ask that we've budgeted for this, this, and this, and we'd like to do something along this line for mm-hmm. our volunteers. But have you ever, have David, am, am I off here? Have you been asked for that? Do you think I've lost my mind or? It's it's happened, but we trade. Oh, trade seems fair. Oh, <laughs> tell me, tell me more. Uh, we typically have a deal with Peel. Oh, I love those guys. Too. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. that's brilliant. Yeah, they're my boys. They... <laughs> Uh, Another awesome place, by the way. Absolutely. If you had, if our yeah. listeners haven't been there. Their mouths will be watering by well, after this episode. None of my staff wants barbecue anywhere. Yeah. Right. So, Why would you? And the best is there. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, you uh, it, it's it's so easy to, to give them a gift card for outstanding pizza, mm-hmm. you know, and all their staff is really tired of pizza. So that's, know. you know, I remember in high school I had, I worked at a fast food restaurant and there was another fast food restaurant in close proximity. And when there would be errors that were made, you either had to toss it or someone had to consume it on site that was an employee. That was the the rules. So we ended up tag teaming because, of course, we got tired (laughs) of our food and they got tired of theirs. So inevitably, we'd get a ring and we'd be like, hey, we've got this and this and this. What do you got? And and it was always like, it was great because we always had this wonderful exchange program and one person would run down and we'd have this little exchange. But I never thought about it on a business to business level. That's quite brilliant, actually. That's that's smart. I learned. I like I look, I've learned two things in this episode. <laughs> Very nice. I, it, is, it is. So we've just got a couple more minutes. So okay. I wanted to ask you, Natalie, how do you use uh, donations from local businesses to benefit your mission? So 
I think everyone probably uses them similar. You know, we have silent auctions or, or raffle items uh, that we donate, but we also have an event every year uh, through ours where uh, it's a bowling event. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm part of Big Brothers Big Sisters. It's Bowl for Kids' Sake. And with that, uh, we do nine pin no tap bowling. So for our non-bowlers out there, it means there's a color pin at the front of it. And if you knock it over and you only get nine out of the 10, it's still a strike. So when there's a color pin uh, and they get that strike, then we let them draw a prize out of uh, essentially it's a pillowcase that's been very well used. Uh, But they get to pick out an item from there. And a lot of times we'll ask for buy one, get one coupons or maybe you get, if you buy this, you uh, get this one for half off, something like that. So when they reach in, they have a bunch of different things. They don't know what they're getting. They pull it out, get some introduced to new local businesses that perhaps they weren't interested or learning about before, um, or reintroduce them to a business that they already enjoy and kind of gives them a little something fun to win. So that's been a neat experience for a lot of our uh, our participants. I love that. Yeah. What about you? So this year for our story, we got to do a really cool kind of collaboration with um, a local business who artisan jewelry maker and she actually made a braille jewelry piece specifically for our event so that we could auction it and then we did um then we sent a lot of people her way for more because we had a lot of people who wanted that that did not get it so um we were able to make some money and we were also able to make the business money which i think is always you know a good thing i think that's something the nonprofits want to do we, we right. want to help our local businesses because right. we want to eat them eat there and buy their things and as individuals and employees too yeah, I think I think it's that goes back to that idea that we're always trying to say thank you. You know, we're so grateful in nonprofit. We know how little we have and we know this big awesome mission that we're trying to accomplish. And every day we we were at the bottom of this hill and we're just looking up and we keep thinking yesterday we were so much closer than we remember and yet it's still so far away. And so mm-hmm. anyone that helps us along that journey, I think it's just we always look for, oh my gosh, that that made such a huge impact. How do we say thanks? How do we show them how much we appreciate them? And some nonprofits do it with all sorts of things that they spend money on, uh, gifts and gimmicks. And mm-hmm. really, the reality is, David, correct me if I'm wrong, you just want to know that it made a difference, right? That's all, that's all that I want anyway, is just to know that we, we impacted somebody. You know, there, there, there was something positive that happened because we were part of it. I, 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 like I said, I don't, I don't care if, if everybody gets to know that we did it. I just don't. This is not my thing. I don't care. It's just a matter of knowing that, you know, hey, we raise money for a cause, this sick kid or this, you know, this organization that's given out gifts or, you know, whatever it is. Um, just to hear a thank you, I think, is plenty. Awesome. So, Good. I mean, so keep it simple. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So now if people want to eat the beast or want to uh, get involved with you guys or come get come find you elsewhere, how should we get in touch? Phone number is 618-257-9000. You can find us on the web at beastcraftbbq.com. Our address is 20 South Belt West. That's in Belleville, of course. Yeah, it's right here in Belleville, Illinois, where we are recorded. So uh, it's always a great time to go down. I always suggest you get there early because the food is just as fabulous as uh, you could imagine, uh, which means that when they sell out, that is also when they close. And I have learned that the hard way. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I suggest if you're going there for lunch, go early, uh, tight seating, but worth every minute. Mm-hmm. And if you're going there for dinner, be prepared uh, because if they are sold out, they will not, uh, they will not have your item available. So. And carry out is a fantastic option. Carry out is a fantastic <laughs> option, but they also have great local, uh, use local uh, for your soda. Uh-huh. So mm-hmm. local soda uh, from Breeze. And uh, we also 
boasts the largest collection of craft beers on the Illinois side for any restaurant. And I'm working my way through them one beer at a time. <laughs> I, I take it as my personal mission to try them all, but I do like that Getting I can there? get... Uh, I do like to get ski on tap. I'm kind of, I have to admit, that's kind of one of my favorites about going in, my guilty pleasures. <laughs> well, thank you, David, for coming in today. We really appreciate you sharing your knowledge. Thanks for having me. And thank you to all of you for joining us on 501 Crossroads. 501 Crossroads is recorded at the studios of Mind's Eye Radio and is produced and hosted by me, Marjorie Moore. And me, Natalie Jablonski. Mike Curtis is our sound engineer. Please go to iTunes or Stitcher or your favorite app and subscribe and leave us some feedback so others can find us. You can find us on Facebook at 501 Crossroads. Thank you for listening, and remember, we're all working towards the same outcomes.